Hey, 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 welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight, never running from a real fight. I am the one named Matsy. And I'm Micah. So here's the skinny. We're going to give each other cartoons to watch. Then we get together the following week and chat about it. Today, we're talking about one good episode and one bad episode, each from Gummy Bears and from Invader Zim. But first, we have ourselves an old time shooting the breeze. So what's happening over yonder, Matsy? Nothing cowboy related. Well, maybe, mm, I don't think so. Um, there's a, there is a show that I've been meaning to watch and I just couldn't find the time this week. So I'm hoping that I'll find some time and get back to it next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, so instead, how about I talk about something that I watched last year? Okay. Which is the reboot of Animaniacs. Oh. Have you watched that? I have not. It has that same kind of sensibility that Animaniacs had where it was like sort of made for adults in a way mm -hmm. or at least like you know it has that I, I think it was someone who worked on Looney Tunes way back in the day who said that if you write for adults kids will get it too mm -hmm. and that's kind of the philosophy of Animaniacs right yeah and this version really takes that to the extreme um example the thing that made my jaw drop was in the mm -hmm. second episode there's a cartoon where the Warners are cast as Greek gods and they, I think it's Odysseus, I think annoys them in some way. And so as the Warners do, they decide to torment him using their godly powers. And mm -hmm. the culmination of this is that uh, Odysseus ends up on this Island where there's the Cyclops, right? Yeah. So the Cyclops is this fat ogre, well, Cyclops, this mm -hmm. fat being with orange skin and a bad blonde comb over. Ha! Huh. Who talks like this about how he's very rich, he can see very well with his two very good eyes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, huh, I, I kind of went, wow, this is episode two. <laughs> um, there's yeah. an episode, the, the, um, the, each episode is more or less a Warner cartoon, a mm -hmm. Pinky and the Brain cartoon, and then a Warner cartoon. Although there are one or two that have that deviate from that formula some. Oh, oh, okay. Seems to me yeah. like they learn their lessons. Like, <laughs> there's no hip hippos or Rita and Runt. Okay, so there is an episode that I was hoping that you would mention that because there is an episode that addresses that. Yeah. Um, the Warners are boredly... I think it's called Good Warner Hunting. Okay. And the Warners are bored. They're like pulling descriptors out of a hat to try mm -hmm. to decide who they're going to torment in this cartoon. Like just, just randomly pulling up three descriptors to see if they can, you know, like a obese vampire movie star yeah. or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, and Yakko comments like, didn't there used to be more characters in this cartoon? Like what happened to the hip hippos and the good feathers and Katie Kaboom, and it goes to this mansion where there's this hunter who has the heads of all the other characters mounted as trophies on his wall. 
Mm-hmm. And he has, I don't remember the guy's name, but he has been methodically hunting down every Animaniacs character. And the only prizes left are the Warners. Yeah. And so the episode is, I mean, there's a good gag where they, they pull out three descriptors that match this hunter. Yeah. So one of which is that he has tiny feet. Um, and so they, they, you know, there's the usual Warner chase, but the hunter eventually catches them mm. and he takes them back and he's, he's showing them all the trophies. He's like, I've got the, the hip hippos. I've got, uh, you know, uh, various characters. And, and they're like, what about the, the one flame from that one cartoon? Like right there, the, the mime he's there. Mm. And then just as all hope is lost, Yakko's like, Hey, what about chicken boo? Okay. And then there's like, boo hoo. Like, eh, don't cry. But they're like, okay. you know, chicken boo. He wears a disguise to look like human guys. The least popular character in the show. <laughs> and the hunter's like, eh, like, well, he must have had some fans. It's like, no, he's at the bottom of everybody's fan list. In fact, uh, take a look at this contract. This contract says that for this reboot on Hulu, Chicken Boo will never, ever appear in an episode. Hmm. Can you guess what the punchline of this is? The Hunter's Chicken Boo, right? There you go. Yeah. You know, it's um, funny. What? Chase at the bottom. We had this bonding moment years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> it speaks to... I think I, I think you brought it up as, like, you were just... Uh, this was just a topic you were bringing in your head. What's the worst Animaniacs uh, character? Oh, or, you know or, like, what sketch? this was? Yeah. You know what this was? I oh, was this. devising, I had a blog of something and I was devising a rating system uh, and the ratings would be Animaniacs characters. Oh, okay. Like ranking from, I think the top was probably Pinky and the Brain uh, and the bottom was Katie Kaboom. Yeah, well, that's and, the beauty is that it's just one of those moments, right? Where you're like, <laughs> where I was right on, right? I said, Katie Kaboom. <laughs> she was in there. Oh, she's the worst. Uh, yeah, she is the worst. Ugh, hate Katie Kaboom. Um, anyway. It's, it's, I guess like they're not topical anymore, but uh, I would guess they liked the Good Feathers back in the day because there sure were a lot of Good Feathers cartoons. I think that the the cartoons that are in this reboot have a lot to do with the voice actors. Oh, because it's sense. it's um, it's Rob Paulson who is uh, Yakko and Pinky, Tress mm. McNeil who is Dot, Jess Harnell who is uh, Wacko, and Maurice Lamarche who is the Brain. Okay. Um, another thing that I will say, I think Wacko talks more in these thirteen episodes or whatever it was than mm. he did in the entire original run of Animaniacs. Mm. Like, Wacko was almost silent in those original cartoons. All he ever did was occasionally literally eat the scenery. Yeah, I'm just thinking about his uh, vacant face while there's just, like, music, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he actually talks. Like, he is actually an equal component of the Warner trio in this. Um mm which I imagine is either the writers realizing that they had a tool and utilizing it or mm. something in the contract about the amount of lines that he got to have. Mm, okay. Um, I will say that Rob Paulson, Rob Paulson, I think has had some health issues. I think he has some kind of mouth cancer. Ooh. Um, 
And it his voice is not what it used to be. All of his S's have a bit of a whistle to them, which is ah, really noticeable. Like he almost sounds like the gopher in Winnie the Pooh. And, you know, I'm not going to hold it against him. I know, like I said, he's had health issues. It's not his fault. And I feel bad for him. Um, mm. But it's noticeable that like Yakko and Pinky and Dr. Scratch and Sniff in the one episode he's in, like, sound noticeably different. Hmm. Um, there are two new cartoon segments in this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called Starbox and Cindy, which, now that I'm thinking about the concept, is going to be funny. Um, it's about a tiny alien who is uh, doing reconnaissance on Earth to see if it's ripe for invasion. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but then it takes kind of an Elmira turn because he's like literally only a couple of inches tall and he's crash landed in a little girl's sandbox mm-hmm. and she's young enough, the Cindy, um, that she kind of doesn't know or acknowledge or understand the difference between like a toy and a pet. So she's just, she's not smothering the Starbucks to death like Elmira would. Okay. It's more like she's just obliviously playing with him, not realizing that he's a living thing. And so the the idea is that he's trying to navigate this gigantic world and get back to the spaceship to go back and tell the other aliens to call off the invasion. Um mm. but being thwarted by the size of everything and Cindy's oblivious affections. Um mm. the other new one is the incredible gnome in people's mouths. <laughs> and okay. as I recall, this was a, a guy who was angry at the state of the world, like what a jerk everyone was mm-hmm. and somehow died in an accident and was reincarnated as a gnome who now lives inside people's mouths and yells the things that need to be said, but people don't have the guts or the tact to say. Okay. Uh, he's voiced by John DiMaggio. Okay. Who is Bender in Futurama. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the cartoon that he's in, he's in the mouth of this woman who is in a relationship with a guy who's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, sort of aware of what a jerk he is, but still kind of, you know, going with it, not really ready to... Not really wanting to call him out on it or cut him off, but, you know, whenever he does something rotten... Uh, the gnome bursts out of her mouth and yells the things that he, sh- you know, that she should be saying to him, culminating in their wedding getting called off when he yells about what a jerk he is there. And then he goes off. I guess the idea is that he'll be in a different person's mouth every episode because he's his work with this woman is done. And so he wanders off into the sunset. Yeah. I kind of got to see this. I'm like, how big it's, is the gnome? Uh... I see. I see. Okay. Yeah, he's the whoever it is has to like unhinge their jaw to let him out. Yeah, yeah. How do you say the uh you know the the creator of Animaniacs? Is it Tom Ruger? Ruger? I'm not sure. Ruger? Probably Ruger. Yeah. So obviously it has nothing to do with this one, but uh I always kind of uh fasten it to him that what he wanted to do through a lot of his career was make uh, Saturday Night Live, the cartoon. Okay. I mean, he kind of did, right? Because he yeah. did um, 
uh, Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, and you remember Hysteria? I do. I, I saw one episode of Hysteria, and there was a gag in it that I thought was hilarious. Oh. Um, it was it was just this little thing where it was um because that show was like a sketch show about history, right? Yes. And there was one where it was David Letterman about to do a top ten list. Mm. I don't know. It was like top ten, you know, factors of the French Revolution or something like that. And it was like the top ten, whatever. And then there's just this shot of like he leans forward in his desk and shifts his eyes to the side and says, "You understand what we're doing here, Paul?" And then it cuts to Paul Schaefer just goes, "Ah ha ha I just thought that that little personality bit of David Letterman. The, the fact that they put in that extra effort to have him just like, you understand what we're doing here, Paul? Like, that's something that David Letterman would have done. Mm-hmm. There was also Freakazoid. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like that, too. Yeah. Did you have more to say about Hysteria? No. Just... God. <laughs> no, no, we'll save it for her, our Hysteria show. Okay, or sure. Hysteria yeah. show, yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, Animaniacs. Uh, it's on Hulu Plus. Um theoretically you might be able to find it somewhere else uh it's been mm. renewed for two more seasons so more of it's coming it's pretty good uh and that's something that i watched last year all right top that i think yeah i think i i should uh remember the last time i dumped on rescue rangers um <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking we dump on shows a lot on this, <laughs> like shows people like, <laughs> right? Well, um, somewhat. I mean, well, well, what's one that I've dumped on that? Oh, I mean, like, have I? You, like Simpsons, Family Guy, Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, that's true. I think Big Mouth. Got... Yeah, well, I don't know. Do people like that one? Uh, they must, I, right? I guess. <laughs> I figure we should we should uh, round it all out, right? We should do uh, Robot Chicken. <laughs> talk about how much we hate that show. And uh, I, I thought the first season of that was okay. It oh, got, I know it got real tired real fast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I don't mind it either. Um, hmm. But uh, anyway, so Rescue Rangers. Yeah, that kind of came up. I, I was thinking even like setting up a game where uh, we would roll a die with the number of sides equal to the episodes. And then we'd uh, ascribe to that episode if uh, it was uh, unwatchable, watch because of gadget, watch because of good episode. <laughs> I was, but, until you said watch because of gadget, I was about to say, I have a great rating system. Yeah. S- same thing, eh? Well, I, I mean, I... The difference is that you have Gadget as the middle ground, and I have Minerva Mink as, like, second only to Katie Kaboom. Oh, for bad? Yeah. I hate, hate the Minerva Mink cartoons. Yeah, there's not a lot to them. They're so bad. They're just wild takes. Yeah. Anyway, um, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, um, I figured that even as as uh, able as we are to remember these episodes that it would still be hard to do. Mm. Um, ah, we might still do it sometime. It might, might be good to polish off, but uh, my, my point is, you know, whatever number you want to pick, it's hard to find episodes that I really want to watch. Um, this is something that I discovered. I was like analyzing, you know, how good these cartoons were uh, 
because, you know, back in the day, we'd watch them on television, right? So we were at the mercy of whatever one they broadcast. Right. And for both uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers and for Tiny Toons, I uh, came to the realization that more often than not, I would have in my gut a feeling of, oh, not this one. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for all those were uh, Disney TV cartoons, mm -hmm. uh, well... So the early ones, anyway. They spent the big money, and they got uh, Tokyo Movie Shinsha to do their first run of episodes. Hmm. So they're noticeably much better episodes. And then the lesser lights would take over, right? So except for the occasional, like, inspired episode, uh, the ones that I'd want to rewatch were those TMS ones. Like, the better animation went far. Hmm, hmm. You know, it would make or break the action or, or the humor. So, and also, like, beside, besides that, like, the premise for uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, the initial one, didn't have Chippendale at all. Yeah, all, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, it was all original characters. Yeah. So my feeling is that when they got replaced, uh, that, you know, the creators were not that keen on working with Chip and Dale. For a long time, I wondered why they never made a Rescuers series. It and then seems one day, like that, isn't it? One day it hit me. It's like, oh, wait, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers is the Rescuers. I think I would have rather think, had that. I think I joked with you about this once where, like, the, the Rescue Aid Society viewed the Rescue Rangers as scabs. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I remember right. I remember like, tickling, tickling you by saying they're throwing a thimble full of red paint at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so I, I, I don't really think the show is that bad. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just not that great. I think if you could pick and choose the episodes you wanted, you would think like, oh, well, I can find the 10 that I really like out of mm -hmm. Chip and Dale. But, but I don't know. We'll get to it sooner or later, I think. Um, yeah, we, I, I imagine we will at some point. Mm. Um, we've already kind of opened the door to Disney animated series. Right, right. Well, with that, I guess we could get into it. Um, yeah. So, why don't you tell us all about your assignment? All right. Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears. That is mm. the official title. I imagine that this is to make it very legally distinct from Haribo's Gummy Bears Candy. Yeah. Gummy Bears was one of the two first half-hour animated series that Disney made. And I say one of the two because the other was the Wuzzles. Okay. And they both premiered on the same day in the si uh, same time slot on opposite channels. So they were literally tied for the first. The difference is Wuzzles was canceled after one season and Gummy Bears was not. The reason why it was canceled is an interesting one that I will get to a bit later. Okay. Um, Gummy Bears. So the concept of this show, this is set in a medieval European kingdom called Dunwin. And there are... In this world, fairy tale creatures called gummy bears. Um, their existence is dubious. It's like it's like leprechauns or the tooth fairy for us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like 
some kind of childish, like, oh, you still believe in leprechauns or you think there's leprechauns over there? Like that kind of thing. Right. The thing is, there actually are gummy bears. Mm-hmm. Um, the story is told throughout the series. I haven't watched the entire series, so I had to kind of get a synopsis from the internet. But um, it seems like the idea is that long ago, maybe like 500 years ago, uh, from current day in this cartoon, gummy bears were common. Like they lived in with side by side with humans. Um, and for mm. some reason, they all left. Gummy bears, by the way, are small anthropomorphic bears, multicolored mm-hmm. things. Um, now, there are still a few little pockets of gummy bears uh, living in the known world. Um, but they keep to themselves. They keep hidden. Um, and they, they want to keep their existence a secret. I think the implied idea here is that they're waiting for the world, or at least for this part of the world to be ready for the gummy bears to return. So what we're left with for our purposes here are six gummy bears. There is Grammy gummy, who is sort of the grandmotherly slash motherly matriarchal figure. Uh, Gruffy gummy, who is the, he's sort of the leader, but his, um, his method of leadership is to do nothing, and he is almost always usurped. <laughs> uh, he is okay. also the uh, the handyman of the group, and he's mm-hmm. gruff. Uh, they are uh, and Zummy, Zummy is the wizened, wizened keeper of gummy lore. Uh, kind of absent-minded, mm. but he's like the closest thing to a wizard that they have. Mm. Uh, and then there's the three younger gummy bears, the um, somewhat adolescent tummy gummy, who is kind of fat and lazy, the young girl sunny gummy, and the little one cubby gummy, who dreams of one day becoming a knight. Yeah, grown out of his name too. Hopefully. That's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I, I picture their birth and it's like, where did you expect this to go? <laughs> <laughs> this This has always been curious to me that you noted like that the uh the gummies of old left long enough ago that humans don't remember them right uh but it's not really clear so the gummies that we see here are the descendants of the ones that stayed behind in order to uh manage the glen yeah their their home the gummy glen theoretically yes who are the kids kids of like (sighs) I mean, they never, they never call Grammy or uh, Gruffy, you know, mother or father. Yeah, the relationship between them is never really explained. Yeah, um, it's weird. It, it, it is. Um, there are a few other gummy bears around that show up in certain episodes, uh, most notably mm-hmm. Gusto. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Paulson. Yes, Rob Paulson. Um mm-hmm. If you want me to get into the voices, I will, because the voice cast of this show is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start with Grammy Gummy, who is voiced by June Foray. June Foray is, if you're if you're listening to this show, you probably know who she is already. She's a legend of voice acting. She's uh, Granny in the Looney Tunes cartoons. She was Rocky the Flying Squirrel in Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, she was Magic at Dispel in DuckTales. You know that voice. You know who June Foray is. Tummy Gummy is 
typecastingly played by Lorenzo Music, who is iconically Garfield. He he has such a distinct voice. He only has pretty much the one voice that he can do. But he yeah. only, but he only has to do the one voice because he's Garfield. I love it. Yeah, I love, uh, they have never. I mean, they can't stop making Garfield stuff just because Lorenzo Music died. But they have mm. never been able to get a Garfield voice as good as Lorenzo Music. I like him even better here as Tummy Gummy. And really. Yeah, I love him as Tummy Gummy and, and Peter Vankman. Mm. Even though, as you say, they're the same voice. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, it, I always thought it weird. Like in, in the Ghostbusters cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, um, yes. there were some episodes where he played Peter Vankman. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you really squint your ears, I guess, he kind of sounds like Bill Murray. Mm. And then, you know, famously, Bill Murray played Garfield in the live action movie. Um. But yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, that's Garfield. Like you hear that voice and it's all you can think of. Yeah, I, I love him. It's funny enough. I picked no episodes where he's prominent. <laughs> oh, he well, he's he's not the main character, but he's one of the three active gummy bears in Tuxford's turnaround. That's true. And then Cubby Gummy and Sunny Gummy are negligible voices. But here's the one I want to talk about, which is it- Gruffy Gummy. Okay. Gruffy Gummy's voice has a real interesting story. Matt. So the episodes that you gave me were from later seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. And Gruffy is voiced here by Corey Burton. Corey Burton is kind of a, he's, he's made a decent living off voice acting. He was, I think he was a few voices in Transformers cartoon, most notably Spike. Yeah, you know, you can hear it now that I think about it. Between Spike and, like, Gruffy's a grown-up Spike. Mm-hmm. Well, here's mm-hmm. the thing. In the first season, he had a different voice actor, mm. uh, Bill Scott. Same voice, though. Like, Corey Burton does a great job of mimicking the voice. Mm. Remember I said that the Wuzzles was canceled because one of the voice actors died? Okay. Bill Scott was that voice actor. Huh. He was M- Moosel. Moosel? Moosel. In Wuzzles. Hmm. The show premiered in September. He died of a heart attack in November of 1985. Okay. So they stopped making Wuzzles. They recast Gruffy. Um, But they, again, Corey Burton does the perfect voice. Mm. Now, here's the interesting thing about Bill Scott. Bill Scott was a animator and writer um, way back in like the 50s and 60s. His voice acting breakthrough was as Bullwinkle. Ah. So, in season one of Gummy Bears, you have June Foray, the voice of Rocky, and Bill Scott, the voice of Bullwinkle, reunited. Ha, that's cool. And if you listen to Gruffy's voice, you can kind of hear in the way that he has this sort of lisp in the way he talks. Like, you can hear... You can hear the Bullwinkle coming out. Ha. I had no memory of Gruffy's voice being like that, but I went into it knowing this about Bill Scott and went, oh. Well, I guess five out of six seasons, it isn't like that. Well, it's very close. It's really Mm. close. Like, Corey Burton does a really good job. Um, Mm. Similar to that, Paul Winchell. Um, Paul Winchell is the voice of Zummy Gummy. Mm. Um, He is... He was the voice of... The original voice of Tigger... In Disney's yeah. various Winnie the Poohs. He was the voice of Gargamel in the Smurfs. 
Yeah. Uh, he was Dick Dastardly in Wacky Races. Hmm. Um, he sounds almost identical to Jim Cummings, who is another famous voice actor. Um, and in later seasons was replaced uh, by Jim Cummings. Uh, Paul Winchell hmm. was. Because he yeah. sounds almost exactly the same. Um, Bill Winchell is also the father of April Winchell, who is also a voice actress. Uh, she is the voice of Peg in Goof Troop. Oh, and, okay. And she's the horse thing, Sylvia, in Wander Over Yonder. And for one more weird fact about Paul Winchell. Okay. He was the first person to patent an artificial heart. Whoa. He developed an artificial heart with the help of Henry Heimlich, the creator of the Heimlich Maneuver. Isn't that wild? I never knew, I never knew Tigger was that studious. <laughs> the wonderful thing about Tigger is they patented an artificial heart. <laughs> the hearts are made out of rubber. The hearts are made, powered by springs. Um, They're about you. <laughs> all right. Enough set up. Yeah. Let me talk about this. Oh, Okay, yeah. so specifics of the show. Um, I watched. I went back and watched the first episode just to get a baseline here. Okay. So the gummies are trying to stay hidden. Um, however, they are found out by a young page named Cavan, who is the page of a knight named Sir Tuxford in the kingdom of Dunwin. Cavan still believes in gummy bears. He believes that the gummy bears existed. He doesn't believe mm. that they still exist until he finds these ones. Um, and he is quite happy to make friends with them, but has to keep their existence a secret. Mm. There's also a villain, Duke Igthorn, or maybe it's the Duke of Igthorn. I don't know. Um, but the Duke it basically is constantly machinating the downfall and conquest of Dunwin, mm. uh, Castle Dunwin from the current monarch, King Gregor, who has a daughter, uh, Princess Kala, who is friends with uh, Cavan. And at some point, I don't know when, because I didn't see that episode, but at some point, Kala also becomes aware of the gummy bears existence because mm -hmm. the first episode that I watched starts with her with the gummy bears. Yes. So the first episode that I watched is called A Hard Dazed Night. Mm. And G Gruffy is trying to fix a juicer and uh, Kala successfully uh, explains to him how he can do it. And so Gruffy, you know, he's... He is slow to warm up to new things, but he quickly gains an appreciation for Kala's uh, mechanical skills. Mm. Meanwhile, in Dunwin, um, the king, Gregor, is out inspecting various things um, <laughs> and is given a crystal egg by a weird figure. Uh, and upon looking into it, is frozen and his life trapped within the egg and it turns out that the mysterious figure was Igthorn and this is his latest scheme he escapes under threat of breaking the egg and destroying the king and so he is just allowed to get away uh yeah. he basically you know, holds hmm? <laughs> you know, like here uh when Igthorn reveals himself like pulls back his hood and it's like aha and he r runs up onto a stage to uh yeah his yeah there's a guard that just gets out of his way. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, everyone's like, whoa. Yeah, I was like, grab him. And it was only yeah. after that that he's like, I'll smash the egg. By the way, I love Igthorn's voice. Oh, me too. Michael Rye. What a great yeah. vocal performance. And have you seen a picture of this guy? Uh, I did earlier. 
Um, he he kind of looks like John. He kind of looks like John Cleese, but he also just kind of looks like Duke Igthorn. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I love Duke Igthorn. Like oh, he's so uh, good. Oh, his voice is like so him, good. I like him almost as much as Skeletor. Okay. And yeah. They're, they're similar, right? They're hmm. they're they're kind of bumblers, but <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway, so he yeah. goes back to the castle to prepare his robe and stuff, or his own castle, Castle Dreckmore. He goes yeah. to prepare for his coming coronation because he assumes that nobody's going to stop him from simply conquering the city. Uh, Kala, discovering um, her frozen father, goes to the gummy bears for help. And Gruffy has an idea. He has a mechanical knight, which he can ride around in and control. And he has a plan to use this knight to get the egg back. Mm. He goes to Drekmore and proposes that uh, the Duke, Igthorn, will need a general for his ogre troops. By the way, Igthorn's troops are ogres. I probably should have mentioned mm. that before this. Um, yeah. They're all very dim-witted. There's one little one named Toadwart, or Toady, who is especially uh, lick-spittle. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this Black Knight proposes that Igthorn will need a general for his troops once he becomes king. And uh, Igthorn is amenable to the idea, but decides to uh, give the knight a test. And so the Black Knight, controlled inside by Gruffy, uh, starts to spar with the ogres as a distraction to allow his page, played by Kala, to go and find the egg. Toadie suspects something, but is unable to prevent Kala from recovering the egg from its hiding place. A chase scene follows, and uh, the Black Knight is more or less destroyed, but Gruffy and Kala escape with the egg. And uh, through convoluted fairy tale rules, not that convoluted really, just uh, questionable that this worked as easily as it did, mm. uh, she's able to wake up her father by putting the egg back in his hands and kissing his cheek. And that is mm. like the end of the episode. It just hard cuts. As you said last time, um, most episodes of the Gummy Bears are two short episodes. So, mm. and this is one of those where this was one half of the two pack. Yeah. The other half of this episode was called Do Unto Ogres. The Gummy Bears are all very tired. The gummies of Gummy Glen, I guess it would be. They're all very mm. tired after a massive gummy berry harvest made only the harder because Sunny wasn't there. Sunny shows up and explains that she was doing some experiments with potions and developed a growth potion that can make gummy bear uh, gummy berries gigantic. I never mentioned the gummy berries. This is important. Uh, mm. Gummy berries are the staple food of the gummy bears and is very important to them because they can um, produce a gummy berry juice from it, which gives them the power to bounce around. Mm -hmm. This juice also temporarily gives humans super strength. So yeah. the gummy berries are important and Sunny has found a way to make extra big ones so they don't have to harvest as many. Tummy, seeing the... Uh, gigantic gummy berry can't resist taking a big bite and discovers that it tastes terrible and so Sonny's invention is useless the gummy bears are all particularly gruffy are all still upset with Sonny for not helping and wasting their time and uh 
Gruffy tells her to go get rid of the, her dumb potion in a quarry. Meanwhile, at Castle Dreckmore, uh, Igthorn is building a ballista, and Toadie interrupts him to give him a list of complaints about the way that he's been treated. Igthorn is not interested in this list, and his idea of solving the problem is simply to strap Toadie to the giant ballista bolt and shoot him off into the distance. As one might imagine, the ballista bolt with Toadie tied to it ends up in the quarry that Sonny has just visited. Toadie is helpless, and Sonny good-naturedly decides to untie him before running away. Toadie, in that 80s cartoon way, decides that he owes Sonny his life and makes Sonny his new master. The two become friends, somewhat, although they are also interrupted by two ogres who have come to reclaim the ballista bolt and capture Sunny. They take her back to the castle where Igthorn interrogates her. Igthorn, you see, is also aware of the gummy bear's existence and believes that the gummy bears have spies all over watching him and, and that's why they are so consistently able to thwart his plans and he wants to know how many gummy bears there are and where they are and everything about the gummy bears and will not accept Sonny's answer that there are only six of them and they're not doing anything. Yeah, he also wants their uh, gummy berry juice. Yeah, in the first strength. episode he got a taste of the gummy berry juice and it almost helped him conquer the, the, the castle. Hmm. Um, one of the ways that Toadie helped out Sonny was to get rid of the potion by throwing it down a well. And the two ogres dispatched him by throwing him down the same well. The results of an overdose of growth potion is that a giant Toadie comes to Dreckmore to rescue Sonny. Uh, he briefly wreaks havoc until the potion wears off and he shrinks back down to normal size. Uh, he is in trouble. Sonny runs, and the Duke insists that Toadie tell him where the gummy bear has gone. But Toadie's kind heart shines through as he misdirects the Duke and his uh, goons, even though he knows that he will be horrifically punished later. Hmm. So this was the good episode, as you put it. Yeah. And yeah, no. so here's the thing. Gummy bears in general, I love the concept of. Mm -hmm. I think they don't do as much with it as they could. Oh. But I, I don't think so. Like, the, you think about the lore behind the gummy bears. Mm -hmm. And mostly they just use these characters. It's like, here's the characters and they're just going to have an adventure of the week. But you think about right. all the lore that's behind this, like all the setup, it has a deeper lore than any of Disney's other animated uh, series. Oh yeah. They, they do, they do quite a bit. Like there's, there's kind like, for example, there's a, uh, a gummy castle that's out of time mm. that materializes every once in a while. Okay. They encounter. Um, and that first season, uh, they find a laser. There's this like <laughs> big brass instrument that is used for communicating at long distances. Oh, well, uh, I think I remember this. Yeah, so they it's it's their way of communicating with the gummies that sailed across the ocean, but they end up having to scrap it because Igthorn wants to weaponize it. Mm. Um, so they they build quite a bit. I mean, over over six seasons, they do quite a lot. 
Well, good. I'm glad to hear that because I just yeah. kept thinking, like, if this if they decided to reboot Gummy Bears the way that they rebooted DuckTales recently. Mm. Oh, what a show. Oh, that would be so good. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I appreciated this show. Appreciated yeah. this episode. I like these, uh, and, and the, the half episodes are kind of nice. Like, I, I like that they throw this, like, bite-sized adventure at you that they really have to push at a big pace, you know? Well, it's kind of become the dominant format for cartoons nowadays. Yeah, like, kind of. Like most cartoons are cut up, like, think about Adventure Time, Star Wars The Forces of Evil. Most of these cartoons are just cut up into pieces like that. The, the, the Black Knight, the Hard Day's Night episode... Yeah. That is the one that I think of as being my favorite. Really? I mean, hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got nice action in it. I yeah. mean, yeah, mostly that. It's well animated. Um, and I thought, like, the Do Unto Ogres was just kind of like an afterthought, right? Because I, I remember the, the premise. Hmm. But actually seeing it, I quite liked it, too. Uh, <laughs> I like Toadie in it. I like this. Yeah. Um, uh well, I like that he's like in that one. He's um, kind of pitiful. Yeah. But I like seeing like in the Hard Day's Night, he's actually pretty canny. Yeah. Like, he knows what's going on. Yes. Um, but the it, in Do Unto Ogres, when he's he's downtrodden and he's conking his own head, I love he's oh. saying like, "I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I hate myself. Hate, hate, hate." Like, he's beating yeah. his own head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty. It's it's all right. Yeah. Um. Oh, and I, you talk about how good Igthorn is. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember when Toadie puts him in his pocket with his hairball collection? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's squirming and going, yeah. <laughs> Some uh, notes, some random notes here. Yeah. Um, theme song. Mm-hmm. I think most people most fondly remember the DuckTales theme song, and to yeah. a lesser extent, the Rescue Rangers theme song. Mm-hmm. I think the Gummy Bears theme song is the best song of the Disney afternoon package. Like it's got just, good lyrics. Just the, the, the lyrics, the rhythm of the lyrics, the rhyme mm-hmm. scheme. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like I wrote down, magic and mystery are part of their history along with the secret of gummy berry juice. Their legend is growing. They take pride in knowing they fight for what's right in whatever they do. Like, mm. just that the rhythm of it just go, like flows so nicely. Um, it sounds rousing. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's a great song. It's so good. I think <laughs> I noticed this late as I was thinking back on this episode, Sonny's mm-hmm. head looks weird. It's and, a little tall. And I have a suspicion that this is a known issue in the animators, because if you think about it, she's the only gummy bear who doesn't have a hat. Ah. I think, you know how sometimes there's a comic artist, like a, mostly in web comics, who can't draw hands or feet? And mm. so, like, uh, Pearls Before Swine, the newspaper comic, is a good example of this, where mm-hmm. whenever there's a human, because all the, the main characters in that are little animal characters, and they have just little stick legs and feet. Mm-hmm. Whenever they have a human, most of the time they will be on the other side of a fence, so they're blocked from the waist down. <laughs> or coming out okay. of a house which has a hedge next to the door that's blocking the view from the waist down. Ah, uh, okay. Like that artist just doesn't know how to draw feet. And I think mm. there's a similar thing here where they, they never really figured out how to draw the gummy bears heads. Mm. And so they're like, okay, well, 
all the all the males can wear a hat. Uh, Grammy can have hair and a little hat. But mm. Sunny, she's a girl. The only way we can make her distinct is to have. She can't wear a hat. She has to have her hair out. I guess we'll just have mm. to do it. Hmm. I I I got that weird sense from that. So yeah, that was that was all right. I it just made me it rekindled. You know, I like I haven't seen enough gummy bears to say, oh, this is the standout. But hmm. I will say that it is not a bad episode, and I will say that it's like, yeah, okay, gummy bears actually is as good as I thought it was. And then we can get to. Uh the way in which it's not. Tuxford's Turnaround is the other episode you gave me. This is one of the half-hour ones. Mm-hmm. So, okay, the plot of this one is all over the place. Let me see if I can wrap my head around it. There's going to be an annual Knights Tournament in Dunwin, and Knights from all over have come to participate uh, the representative from Dunwin is going to be uh, Tuxford, the knight that Cavan is page of. Mm-hmm. And the other knights all kind of make fun of how fat and old he's gotten and don't think that he can uh, he can recapture the prize, which is a golden shield of Lesmore. And Lesmore is a great name for a place or a person. Yeah, kind of King's Quest. Yeah, yeah. Um, meanwhile... What the heck? Oh my, I'm sorry, but this, the plot of this episode is everywhere. Um, well, I think, I think the knights are going to be out of that, like out of the castle. Yeah, yeah the there's, there's a few different factors here. So Cubby and Tummy uh, overheard the, uh, the fact that there's going to be a tournament and Cubby, of course, who wants to be a knight is really excited to watch this. Uh, they sneak to the castle using one of the tunnels that the gummies of old have put into the castle, um, but end up breaking the door. And they uh, have to tell Gruffy that they broke the door, and now Gruffy desperately needs to fix it so nobody finds them, um, which is going to be a big job that is going to keep Cubby from watching the tournament. As you alluded to, Igthorn now has a plan where... The tournament is taking place outside of the castle, so the castle will be deserted. And so he is going to put Toadie in disguise, disguised as a little old lady, into the castle to give the signal when it's all clear. And so they can just walk in while the castle is deserted and take over and set up an ambush for when uh, the king eventually returns. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um, the, the things are kind of thrown awry when Toady in his costume decides that he just needs to catch a goose intending to eat it. Remember we were saying that he was pretty shrewd? Yeah. Boy, <laughs> he spends this entire episode chasing this goose. Um, yeah. the And two knights catch him. Um, well, don't they don't catch him, but they spot him stealing fruit and... Um, and trying to catch this goose. And so there's this chase of these two knights chasing after Toady, who's chasing after the goose. Um, the, the, the gummies, uh, are unsuccessful in repairing the door. So, um, Cubby needs to go and find more nails. Meanwhile, Toxford has already demonstrated that he's starting to lose his edge somewhat and is feeling, um, incompetent compared to the other knights 
and just decides to withdraw from the tournament. Mm-hmm. He and Cavan go back to the castle prematurely after uh, Igthorn and his men have already taken it over and they are immediately captured and locked up in the dungeon. Um, Tuxford is ready to give up. Cavan gives him a speech about how knights are always supposed to do what's right, even if it's not what they want to do, which Cubby overhears and decides that he was selfish for wanting to watch this tournament instead of help repair the door. Mm. And so he abandons his plan to watch and instead goes on his appropriate quest of finding nails. <laughs> Tuxford. Oh, he, uh, he also goes and tells Tummy and uh, Gruffy that the castle is under attack. Yeah. They, they, they help. Um, they basically help Tuxford break out by unlocking his chains and making it seem like he was just strong enough to break them. And so with mm. renewed confidence, uh, he goes and fights off the Duke uh, and keeps him busy long enough that the other knights and um, and the king can return and finish the job in ousting the Duke. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Man. What? Okay, because say that, start off, uh, I, I kind of, I talked about um, Rescue Rangers and how Disney hired TMS for all their good episodes yeah. and then got cheap. Mm-hmm. I have an axe to grind here. Yeah. Because, well, you look at something like Rescue Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. I think they had 13 episodes and DuckTales maybe had a little more than that. In the first season? But, Oh, yeah, oh you yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Where they shelled out the money for the really good animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gummy Bears, even as a Saturday morning cartoon, was incredibly fortunate that they had all their episodes animated by TMS right through five seasons. And mm. then they just kind of stopped, right? And then Gummy Bears came to Disney Afternoon and they reran them. But then they added a sixth season, but not with TMS just put together with a pastiche of Disney Studios. Mm. Mm. So this one was animated by the illustrious Disney Animation Australia. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not as bad as I remember. I, I remember, like, because I was, this was my favorite of the Disney uh, television cartoons. Yeah. Being bitter that these new gummy bears look so bad. So, mm. like, it was, the duel between Igthorn and in Tuxford was burned in my brain. Right? Oh, <laughs> it just looks terrible. It's, but mm. looking at the episode again, I can find parts where I admire the the animation, but it's it's a really pale shadow compared to like the other episode I gave you. I think the writing of it is just a mess. Like it was so hard for me to wrap my head around that synopsis, just because there's all kinds of things mm. going on that don't really like link together properly. Like, there's also this side plot of the, um, one of the knights that was chasing after Toadie, uh, spotted the secret passage. And so he wants to, at some point, go back and find it. And so they, they cover it up before they, uh, boy, um. Well, I think a lot of the smooths over if it looks better though, right? Like if the individual parts are better, if the individual parts are better, then you can excuse some of this. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) The components are bad, and it's less than the sum of its parts, too. Yeah, it's, yeah, this episode. Mm. It's also about Tuxford, a Tuxford redemption plot. <laughs> and it's not even really that. Like, it's, 
it's barely about Tuxford. Yeah, like he's he's he's, he's mm. analogous to the father in Sword of the Stone. Remember? Mm. That's mm. that's fifty demerits, Wart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of that guy. He, mm. Oh, oh, that reminds me. So his turnaround move. Oh gosh. In the title. Yes. Yeah, that's there's like a training dummy that he'll hit one side and it'll spin around and hit with the other. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, there's a host uh, of like a program called Modern History. Guy's name is Jason Kingsley, uh-huh. and he looks at like knighthood and generally medieval England. Huh. In one of his videos, he has one of those training dummies. Right. And he notes that he pointedly tried on purpose to make it spin and strike his head like in the movies. <laughs> And he couldn't do it doing it on purpose. <laughs> well, I'm I'm confused about like the move was called Tuxford's tricky turnaround. Yeah. And Kevin's like, go on, show him Tuxford's tricky turnaround. And he like he hits the dummy and then the thing comes the 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 flail comes back, yeah. morning star, whatever you want to call it. And then later when he's fighting the Duke, same thing. It's like, dude, Tuxford's tricky turnaround. And he does different move like the move is different with another person there i'm not 100 percent sure what the maneuver actually is it just seems to be use the dummy like using that dummy is tuxford's tricky turnaround yeah and if so like if that's if we accept the idea that that is what the dummy is supposed to do you hit one side and it turns around and hits you in the head yeah if that's what the dummy is supposed to do, what exactly is the trick? Because that's all he's doing is he's using the dummy for its intended purpose. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, this is not, this is bad. I, I think you, you got me beat in giving a bad episode, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's all right. Well, bad. okay. Well, let's go into, let's get into it. Let's get into Okay. Um, final thoughts. I like the concept of gummy bears. I think it could be executed, mm. you know, in modern with modern sensibilities. I it excites me to think about what a gummy bear should be or or could be. Another thing that excites me, yeah. This is the only part of the Disney Afternoon block that never got a video game. Oh yeah, I could have a great one. You could make a great gummy bears video game, especially like even in that era like the 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 Disney um, video games were being made by Capcom in that era. And yeah. some of them, like the DuckTales NES game. Well, there's the irony. They made a DuckTales game about Scrooge McDuck bouncing here and there and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> That's an excellent point. But yeah, even, like, yeah. the way that the spells, like the spells that Zummy casts, they have, like, keywords in them mm. that you can mix and match. Yeah. Like, mm, you could well, make... They're all Pig Latin, basically. Kind of, yeah. 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 But yeah, so final thoughts. I think you could do a lot with the Gummy Bears IP. I would love to see more Gummy Bears with a modern eye, whether it's a video game, a rebooted series. Just give me some more Gummy Bears. They made a you know, very small cameo appearance in the recent DuckTales reboot. Oh, yeah? Well, they were mentioned. There's a There was what, an like episode involving... Hmm? What, like as a TV series or something? No, um, there was an episode where there was some villain who was who had stolen from auction an ancient uh, parchment that contained a recipe for something called gummy berry juice that was supposed ah. to give superpowers. Oh, neat, neat. You know, I think this series is actually still good. So like, 
I find it still very watchable. I'm sure it and is. Even, well, I mean, like, good, like, exciting. Yeah. Um, and the sixth season, although it is full of episodes like this that'll really twist your stomach, mm. um, it gives an ending to Gummy Bears. That's another rarity for, yeah, there is, an, there is a proper ending to the series. Oh, wow, I gotta watch that. So I'm pretty pleased that they did that. Yeah. yeah. Even if, even if it was not as beautiful as the first five seasons. Because I re- I recently watched just out of curiosity what the final aired episode of DuckTales was. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's kind of finality, but not really. It's just sort of a mm-hmm. monster of the week thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's DuckTales. Yeah. Or no, it's not. It's Gummy Bears. <laughs> 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 so I gave you some questionable content. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. yes. We have some Invader Zim. Invader Zim. Well, I was never much into Invader Zim mm. at the time. Um, but I understand the basic premise here. Here's the quick rundown on Invader Zim. It's a sci-fi dark comedy created by Jonan Vasquez. The titular Zim is an alien from Urk as in to irk or irritate. Though Zim is a failure and a megalomaniac, the Urken leaders assign him as an invader of Earth to just get him out of their way. They don't even assign him mission. to Earth. They just send him oh, in a random yeah, direction. Yeah. Say, go right, here. Right. Yeah, so they, they get rid of him on a mission of no consequence. Um, he's aided by an unreliable robot named Gurr. On Earth, though Zim does a poor job blending in as a human boy in school, only Dib, a large-headed boy in his class, sees through him. But people dismiss Dib as a conspiracy theorist. Dib's sister, uh, Gaz, also knows that Zim is an alien, but she is apathetic to the fact. So the show ran for two seasons, though many of the season two episodes went unreleased until years after the show's cancellation. A feature film, Enter the Florpus, was recently released to answer to the hardcore fandom of Invader Zim. So, this episode, The Good One, is entitled Tack the Hideous New Girl, directed by Steve Russell in 2002. Uh, It starts... On Valentine's Day, but the ritual uh, is to give meats rather than cards or chocolates. And this is especially troublesome for Zim because meat harms him. Okay, I was worried about this. That there's too much backstory to it? Well, there, like, as I, as I rewatched the episode recently, I thought, oh, there's one important fact that's in another episode that Micah needs to know. Okay. There's an episode called The Wetening which establishes that water burns Urkin's skin. Oh, okay. Huh. All right. So the fact that meat is juicy harms him. Yeah, it was probably the barbecue sauce on the meat. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So there's a new student in the class, a gothy girl named Tack. She gives out sausages to everyone, but has a questionably romantic poem for Zim. So... Despite the danger of her meat, Zim perceives an opportunity to use her uh, affections to study humankind. 
Though he tries to ingratiate himself to her, Tax seems to rebuff him every time. When Zim rejects Tack, she reveals herself to be also an Urkin, an alien like him. She reveals her origin. In the past, Zim's tantrum at a vending machine caused a power outage that blew Tack's test to become an invader. Tack reveals part of her plan to prove herself and take over Zim's mission as an invader. So, Zim, the human boy Dib, and his sister Gaz infiltrate Tack's base, a giant metal, metal structure posing as a hot dog stand. Gaz uses her poop cola against Tack's robot Meanie and causes it to eject a data disk. The group uses the disk to uncover uh, the girl Urkin's plot to hollow out Earth's molten core and fill it with snacks like a pinata. While Zim and Tack have a spaceship battle between those streams of lava, Zim's robot Gur remotely affects Tack's robot and causes it to go haywire. The plan reversed so that Earth inflates with its lava. And in the end, Dib sits on his roof and speculates about what he's seen. And then, Tack's ship crash lands into his backyard, which excites him over his fortune. And that's where the episode ends. Um, yeah, I can see why this is a good Zim episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's full of action. It's important to the plot. And it promises a lot of meaningful developments. For example, Dib gets to see Zim's base in this. And then there's the crash landing, which sets up who knows what in the future. Yeah. Well, I know what, but... Well, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can see why why it's liked, and I'll have reasons to compare <laughs> in a bit. But, <laughs> yes, um, yes. Uh, you know, it's... I didn't like all the humor, but there was some funny stuff in here. Like when, uh, when Tack reveals herself to Zim, and she says, like, you're a bigger fool than I imagined. And he goes, huh? And she says, you're a bigger fool than I imagined. It's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. I liked, mm, is, I like her. <laughs> One of the gag, my favorite gag in all of this is, so you mentioned yeah. um, Tack's robot Mimi. Basically, yeah. Tack is doing everything that Zim did, but more competently. Because Zim's yes. robot is poorly disguised in a green dog costume right. with a little right. zipper. Whereas... Uh, tax robot has a holographic cover of a cat. Mm. Um, and I like at the end as Zim is explaining how he thwarted tax plans to the tallest that on the video communication, you can see that he has now dressed Gur up in a black cat costume instead. Cat. <laughs> he misses the, he misses the point. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think this episode is a good example of, the potential that Invader Zim had as a concept and mm. where it fell down. Where it's... This this episode's where it fell down. Well, like it, I think this episode has both. Like, I think this is episode yeah. is a good demonstration of the potential that Invader Zim had and why it never reached that potential. Because mm. most of the humor, and I'm sure you're going to get to it in just a few minutes here... A lot of the humor in Invader Zim revolves around meat and disgusting fat people. Um, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's definitely a lot of meat in this episode. But mm. I like, I like Tack. 
I like her a lot. I <laughs> I like Gaz. I like her apathy. Like mm. where where she's stuck in the base and she asks the computer, like, do you have any video games? The computer's like, no. And she's like, I guess I'll help save the world then. Like just yeah. this disdain in her voice. The shape of her hair makes me think that she might be underneath one of those castle crashes out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of her voice, it's uh, uh, an actress named Melissa Fawn, mm -hmm. who a lot of people will really love uh, is the voice of Radical Edward in Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> oh, weird. Wait, I haven't yeah. seen Cowboy Bebop in a while. Is, is Radical Edward the like weird sort of autistic-y kind of... The hacker kid? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That's Gaz. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not very similar, eh? No. Uh, and also, for voices, I assume that you were excited by uh, giving to me um, the all almighty tallest purple is Kevin McDonald, the kid in the hall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about it until I rewatched the episode, but I'm like, oh, right. Kevin McDonald's in this. Yeah. I, uh, I also like that this is where Dib is like... Wait, your leaders are just taller than everyone? Yeah. That's a that's a part of Urkin culture where the part of the reason that Zim is so I mean, he's incompetent, but also he's really small. He's smaller than the Urkin that the tallest. Did you watch the first episode? I did not in this case. I I've seen it long ago, I'm sure. Yeah, like the the tallest are in the middle of berating this invader. I think his name is Invader Scooge. They're in the process of berating him for being so tiny. And mm. then Zib crashes the proceedings and he's even smaller. Hey, that's cute. Yeah. But yeah, um, Kevin McDonald's in this. This is um, more or less his beginnings as a voice actor. Right. I guess I guess he's typecast as an alien, a lanky alien. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's also Micah's referring to uh, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Um. I always wanted, um, what's his name? Mark McKinney. I always wanted Mark mm -hmm. McKinney to be the voice actor out of the kids in the hall. But, oh yeah. But Kevin McDonald is the one that made it. Did you know mm -hmm. there is an episode of the Lilo and Stitch cartoon that has all five kids in the hall in it? I was unaware. Yeah. That's cool. Um, the, so Kevin McDonald is, um, Plinkley. The, the mosquito enthusiast. Yeah. And so they have, in this episode, they have, if I remember this correctly, Dave Foley, Bruce McCullough, and Mark McKinney show up as various members of Plinkley's family. Huh. And so it's one of those things where he has to um, demonstrate to his family that he's engaged. And so as he's about to go through with this wedding, the officiant of the wedding is Scott Thompson. Okay. So yeah, they just went out and got all five kids in the hall to be in that one episode. Hmm. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm have to look that one up. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I think we've stalled long enough. We got to get to uh, the bad one. Invader Zim. Gaz Taster of Pork. I, I clicked on this episode because I thought this sounds like it might not be good. It was actually my second choice for a bad episode. Okay. I watched the first one. I was like, that's pretty bad, but it's only half of a two pack episode. So then I clicked right. on this one. I was like, let me see about this one. And then I, 
I made it about two thirds of the way through and I couldn't finish it. Did you not finish it at all? I did not finish it. All right. All right. Well, let me fill you in. All right. Explain Gaz Taster Pork to me. Whew. Okay. So Dib, the, the, the big-headed conspiracy theorist boy, I guess they're not conspiracy theorists since all this supernatural stuff exists, but uh, he has access to spell drives, tomes of power that unfold like laptops. He thinks that all of his collection has been drained of their PowerPoints, but it turns out that one spell drive still has a couple of points. An available magical upgrade is the sense of the shadow hog. But Dib decides to use his sleeping sister, Gaz, as a guinea pig before he upgrades himself. The effect turns out to be a curse that makes everything taste like pork. To Gaz, this makes everything taste terrible, except for things actually made from pig. Gaz threatens Dib to tell her what he did, but he fibs that he made a well-meaning gesture to give her a superpower. Their father, Professor Membrane, is, is unable to help Gaz with her problem. Zim, he is in this cartoon, <laughs> is unwilling to help them out. Eventually, Dib acquires a new spell drive to transport them to a fairy realm of pig things in order to cure Gaz. She faces off against a surprisingly helpful shadow hog. Dib arrives fearing the worst and admits that he merely used Gaz as a test subject. Gaz and the Shadow Hog uh, set for him a punishment to use a hat of toilet brushes to clean his insidious toilet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there you go. That's the plot. So, okay, this, this thing, this uh, Gaz taster of pork... Um, Boy, you know, on a, on a previous episode, I used the word spazzy, which, you know, is, is, I guess, not a nice thing to say because mm. a lot of people. But what am I trying to say here? That it's, it's like uh, this episode makes fairly odd parents seem restrained. <laughs> it's like reading the oatmeal at 10 times speed. It's uh, so obnoxious. And it comes at such a fast clip that it just assaults your senses. But you know what? Like, I think um, you have to hand it to it for the amount of animation and backgrounds needed to support this pace. Mm, yeah. There's, like, so much going on. And I think the sh this particular episode looks all right, but it all goes for naught. I mean, it's got small good points. Like you said, there's... It was a good joke here or there. Uh, I like, I enjoyed, as a nerd, I yeah. like the concept of the spell drives, like hard drives yeah. that contain spells. Yes, yes. The, uh, uh, Jeffrey Jones, uh, he of Ferris Bueller, Beetlejuice, and Ed Wood fame. Mm. He's the voice of Shadowhog and the hobo. <laughs> uh, there's a hobo in the episode. Um, I like his voice in this. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So before we were talking about, uh, we were joking around about Bill Cosby, and I was saying that there's a, uh, <laughs> uh, an equal call out here. Yeah, before we were recording. Yeah, yeah. You, you know about Jeffrey Jones? <laughs> the name he's sounds like, familiar. Uh, well, like he's, he's the principal in Ferris Bueller, okay, right? Okay, yeah, he's, okay. 
Yeah, and he's like the dad in Beetlejuice and Oh yeah, got, right. Okay, yeah. yeah okay, okay, yeah, okay. He now I can picture him. When you said the dad he, from Beetlejuice, I got it. Yeah. He got he got in trouble for child pornography. Oh great. Yeah. But you know, I can still like his voice acting. <laughs> I can separate the actor from the hmm. from the performance. So you know, this this um Taster of Pork, again getting to its like its good parts. I think that at this point this is a season two episode. This is the last season two episode. Oh, is it? Except for the Christmas the, special. Well, I think the animation and the joke telling have been refined. Like the, I think the artwork is better mm-hmm. than the Tack episode, but the soul of the show has departed. Yeah. Any episode that doesn't have Zim, and there are some, like this is one of the big problems mm-hmm. with Invader Zim. Dib sucks, and they treat him <laughs> as an equal part of the show. Yeah, he's not all that funny. No. Yeah, and this thing, this is just an aggressive joke machine. Like, even if the jokes are good, you're just slapped by them, right? Like, and there's there's no storytelling, right? It's just hit you with a joke, hit you with another joke. And the, um, and what story there is is off-putting. Like, again, the, like, this mm. is the pinnacle of the reliance on meat and fat, disgusting people. Mm. You know the funny thing? I actually, because I was not, I'm not like an Invader Zim fan. Right. So I watched this one first. Okay. Thinking that I might poison myself if I watched the other one and, you know, I think like, oh, well, that was okay. Right. I wanted to start at the bottom. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So going to uh, Tack the Hideous, right? Is it Tack Hideous? Tack the uh, Hideous New Girl. Hideous New Girl. Yeah. I was struck by how coherent it was. <laughs> You know, yeah. How it, how it built ideas, <laughs> just like you know, I I skipped a lot of the plot of uh, of the bad episode mm-hmm. because it's all extraneous. It's just you know, it's just junk that leads to more jokes. Yeah, but yeah. but like everything is important. Like the whole episode attack the hideous new girl is yeah important. Like even like you know you said like. He continues his courtship of Tack, even though she's continuously assaulting him. There's yeah. like his whole uh, theory is like, it's a great chance to study human affection, which I believe to be pain based. So eh. he thinks that yeah. this is just what human courtship is. Like he doesn't get that she hates him. <laughs> right, right. But I also really like well, their I... relationship, too. Like it's it's she's not she doesn't want to leave him alone. But she yeah. also, like, she's obsessed with him. She's crazy. Tack is crazy. And I love that. Well, you know, before before we know that, I think that he's right. I think that she's just kind of just this uh, uh, countercultural goth girl that expresses her affection that way. Yeah, and it's an but, inst- interesting yeah. depiction of a cartoon girl, too. Which, I mean, makes sense yeah. because most of what Jonan Vasquez does is pretty goth. Yes. But at the same time, you know, this girl with blue hair and like it's shaved in the back and she's got like piercings and stuff like she, it's a good look. You know, what I thought actually looked pretty good to, to find some value in Taster of Pork. I thought the Shadow Hog looked pretty cool, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those kind of like uh, a collar with light up buttons when he talked. Mm, mm. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, like good things like there's. There's, again, the concept is solid. The execution 
falls down. Mm. I think that's Invader Zim in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think you did a good job, though. <laughs> <laughs> Contrasting. Wonderful. You couldn't make it through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Wonderful, pretty bad. yeah. The episode I was going to give you was called Battle Dib, and it was... Um, okay. Dib has concrete evidence of Zim's alien because Dib and Gaz's father is a world famous brilliant scientist yeah and he has a tv show and Mm. so Dib but he doesn't believe in like Dib's weird like he doesn't believe in aliens or spells or anything like that and Dib has concrete evidence of Zim's existence that he has to show his dad but his dad is putting on his tv show and so Mm. Dib has to fight his way through this like American gladiator style gauntlet uh, as a tryout to be worthy of being an audience member for the TV show. That episode sucks. (laughs) Yeah, that was the first that was the first one I thought of when I thought bad episode. I was like, oh, battle dib. It sounds like another joke factory. Well, it sounds like another episode without Zim in it. Well, sure. Yeah, that too. If you want a good episode that focuses on dib. There's one called Zim Eats Waffles. That episode is excellent. Sounds pretty good. Literally pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's great. Well, I think I think this is it, right? I think this feels like the finish of another show. Yeah, let's, let's finish it there. Why not? Yeah, all that's left is to give each other new assignments. Mm-hmm. So why don't you lay something on me, Matsy? All right. So we're going with my weird idea this time, which was I just thought it would be fun to look at some cartoons intended for really young children, mm. the littlest, tiniest babies. <laughs> and mostly I did it because there's one that I really like. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I know. You think you know? I think I know. Really? You mentioned it before. Did I? I think so. Well, let's oh, find out. Okay. Well, it's called Peep in the Big Wide World. Okay, never mind. <laughs> what did you think? I thought it was going to be Beat Bugs. Oh, that. Yeah. No. Actually, I I don't like that show's impression of uh, Beatles okay. uh, music. Right. Um, no. Peep in the Big Wide World. Okay. Um, now, now, what were the episodes? This is another one of those ones that comes in two packs, right? So uh, the first episode that I'm going to give you has two parts to it. Uh, the first part is called Quack Hatches an Egg, and the second half is The Whatchamacallit. And then the second episode is Who Stole the Big Wide World, and M-U-D Spells Trouble. Okay, so my assignment for you is the 2015 version of Heidi. So there's a 2015 version of Heidi. There is. Um, so I would like you to watch the start of it. We'll go with episode one and two. I think it looks like the first episode is called up to the mountain. And the second one is first day in the mountains. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So if any of you want to watch those, you can play along at home. And we would love to hear from you if you have any feedback or if you just want to say that you like the show and we'd appreciate retweets of the link and all that stuff. Just share the show. That's how it grows. You can find me on Twitter at AC Yep. And folks can reach me at Drab Swatch on Twitter. So it's bedtime. But first, brush your teeth, 
and say the Celery Stalker's slogan. For longer than I can remember, I've been looking for someone like you. Someone with a head like yours and a torso, too. Birds sing and you're gonna pay the end.